Hello and welcome to the FSS podcast. As usual, I am still Alex, but on the other side of the table, we have a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Mr. Swarthout, and I am the physics teacher at Freie Schule Hannes Sophie. So in your amazing introduction, you already covered this question a little bit, but uh, which subjects are you qualified to teach and uh, what grades do you teach these subjects? Well, I have my original teaching certificate, as it's called, from the state of Montana in the United States. And I believe I'm officially uh, able to teach physics, chemistry, earth science, and astronomy. My teaching certificate basically covers everything except biology. All right, and uh, which grades do you teach? Uh, yes, here at Freischule, I teach grades 7 through 12, and I am the physics teacher at the school. So I teach all the kids in the secondary school. All right, uh, you mentioned that you got your teaching certificate in Montana. And uh, why and how did you become a teacher? Well, that's a very good question. And I actually have known for a long time that I wanted to be a teacher. So when I was in high school, I had a girlfriend who was a grade younger than me, so I used to help her with her math homework, and that is when I realized that I wanted to become a teacher. So I believe uh, I was either a junior or a senior, and she was a year younger than me, and I remember helping her with the trigonometry homework, and I thought, okay, this is what I want to do, and so I, that's why I became a teacher. You are um, one of the teachers in our long line of amazing, <laughs> fascinating stories of why they decided to become I, I haven't, teachers. I haven't always been a teacher. I used to work in environmental consulting. So before I became a teacher, I used to work for the U.S. EPA cleaning up uh, hazardous waste sites around the western United States. And I just got kind of bored doing that and sitting in a cubicle a lot. So I'd always wanted to be a teacher and I thought, okay, I'm about to get married and probably have kids. And I thought, okay, if I want to become a teacher, I'd better do it now. Otherwise, it's going to be much harder. So, Wait, so uh, please do elaborate. Were you uh, mostly sitting in a cubicle or were you actually the guy going out there collecting the hazardous materials? Um, well, so I wasn't actually collecting hazardous materials. We would kind of hire contractors to do that. So I spent a lot of time in a cubicle, like reviewing the reports that they wrote. Oh. But I did go out to the hazardous waste sites and um, I did, you know, help direct things at the hazardous waste sites because we were responsible for telling the contractors what to do. So I did enjoy going to the hazardous waste sites, but I did spend too much time in a cubicle, sitting in a cubicle, uh, working in a cubicle, and I got really bored with that. So then I thought, okay, it's time to do something else. Uh, is it uh, the uh, the wonderful lady that you helped uh, to do math homework <laughs> that you married at the end? Would be a wonderful love story. No, that, that's not my wife. No. Okay. No, no. I, I, she was my girlfriend for a while in high school, but uh, that she was Patty Buckley, and uh, she ended up marrying somebody else. All right. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she 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 was my high school sweetheart, but I didn't marry my high school sweetheart. What were your favorite and least favorite subjects back when you were at school? Um, well, so I teach I teach you know uh, physics now and and um, and sciences. So I always liked sciences, and I remember that I really liked chemistry and also math classes when I when I was in high school. So I, I wouldn't really say I had a really a favorite subject, but I always kind of tended towards. Uh, math and 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 science. And I did take German in high school, so I, wow. I did learn German, uh, and I enjoyed learning German in high school also. Were there any subjects you didn't like at all? Uh, I wouldn't really say there. Were, I, I don't. I don't ever remember. I had a good time in high school. I liked high school. Um, I can't really re ever say that I had a subject that I didn't really like. Well, lucky, lucky you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I like I said, I had a good time in high school, I had, I, and and uh, and I, I just I enjoyed school. 
Okay, moving on.、Uh, do you have any extra responsibilities at our school? Well, at our school, I am、uh, one of the Laren House brushers. So I and Ms. Harvey、uh, are the two Laren House brushers, and we kind of help Frau Herzig. Uh, uh, we kind of relieve her of some of her、um, administrative duties, like、uh, assigning students to coaches. And、uh, helping with the scheduling and the planning and all that kind of stuff, so she doesn't have to do all those little things. So I do that、uh, also at、um, Freischule. So you did the schedules. Well, I, we don't really do the schedule. We 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 help with like not we don't do the student schedules. That's Frau Herzig, but we do like the lunch schedules, and you know maybe where students are going to sit when they have individual learning site and stuff like that. But we don't do all of the student schedules. So you did mention in passing that you used to have a pretty wild job that we somehow never heard about before this. Is there anything else you'd like to mention about your life outside of school?、Uh, let's see.、Uh, outside of school, well, I'm from California. I grew up in San Francisco, which was a great place to grow up. And、um, also, I was in the United States Peace Corps. So I spent about a year living in Kenya. And when I was living in Kenya. Um, we were helping people with reforestation. The program was actually called agroforestry, so it's like agriculture and trees forestry. We weren't really just planting trees for like trees' sake. We were planting trees so people could use the trees to grow them and then cut them down for building materials or for soil conservation. Or there's some trees and things you can grow that you can feed the leaves to to animals like cows and things like that. So I lived in、uh, in Kenya. For about a year, and I was working on a project there with agroforestry, and I learned how to speak Swahili, which I don't really remember that much.、Uh, but that was、uh, what, what was that? How old were you? Well, that was、asking? like right. At, usually, there's this thing. It's kind of like doing a Freiwilliges Soziales Jahr in Germany. It's basically right after you finish.、Uh, well, actually, that's not true because Freiwilliges Soziales is after high school. This is basically after I finish after I finish uni- university. Oh. And nowadays, do you still take trips to Kenya? Or well, I don't take trips to Kenya, but、um, my brother, who、uh, lives in Amsterdam, he lived for six years in Malawi, and I did go to visit him in Malawi. And if you haven't been to Africa, Africa is an incredible place. It's very different than Europe, of course, and it's very different than a lot of places. So it's it's a very interesting place to visit. And he lived there, and we visited him once for about three weeks.、Uh, I think it was two years ago. Africa is definitely on my bucket list、yes. of、uh, places to visit. Uh, actually, uh, since we're talking about who you are at Southeast School, we are aware that you have a YouTube channel. Yeah.、Uh, <laughs> would you like to elaborate on that? Yes, I have a YouTube channel.、Uh, don't forget to subscribe.、Um, it's called Step by Step Science, which I started. It's been a long time. I think it's really almost been like 15 years or something. Definitely more than 10 years. And、uh, now I make,、uh, you know, just mostly like homework help videos. For physics, I have done some math and some chemistry, but you know I teach physics now, so most of all the videos I make now are for physics. And it's not like an edutainment channel; it's basically all like homework, help, and help with physics. And I do have、uh, over well close to no, a little bit over 155,000 subscribers. So I did pass 100,000 subscribers a year or so ago. So I have my silver play button. 
and uh, yeah, I enjoy making uh, videos on my YouTube channel. It is proudly set up in the LAN house next to Mr. Swarthout's uh, desk. Yeah, my, my silver play button, yes. Uh, by the way, uh, I don't know, I guess this is a compliment, but anytime like stories about uh, interesting teachers we have at school with uh, people outside of uh, our own school comes up, always mention that we have a physics teacher who has a silver play button and people always find that very interesting because most teachers do not have such a big YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, it's I remember Frau Hernandez started a YouTube channel. Right. She was... Uh, if she tried to get a successful <laughs> a lot less. well I, I think she has a I think she has a thousand subscribers so once you get a thousand subscribers uh, then you can monetize your, your channel and then you can start earning money so I, I don't know if she's earning money yet but you, you do earn a little bit of money uh, when you you know you can earn money after you get a thousand subscribers you have so, to have a thousand subscribers and some number of watch hours I don't remember what it is but so was monetization a primary goal when you first started the channel? Because I know that in the early days of YouTube, it was actually like, it wasn't a possibility to monetize your channel. So people uploaded just because they wanted to. Yeah, mostly I did it just because I wanted to, because I thought, you know, uh, I think textbooks are really hard to read and it's really hard to learn things from a textbook. And sometimes, you know, teachers don't uh, 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 explain things very well. I do get a lot of comments when students say, oh my God, my teacher can't explain this, and now I understand it after watching your video. But I, I do think, um, you know, I try to be really succinct and step-by-step, step. that's why the channel's called Step-by-Step step Science. Kind of break things down into steps, and you do this step, and then you do this step, and then you should be able to be uh, successful in your classes and learn how to do those things. So I do them mostly because I, I think it's useful for students to be able to watch the videos. When I find, found out the name of your channel was Step by Step Science, I, I could have sworn that I already knew a channel by that name because it seems like such an obvious name for yes. like a science channel. Right. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, even, even if you go on uh, YouTube or you go really to any kind of, kind of self-help or help things, a lot of people say, oh, you do this step by step or I'm going to show you how to do this step by step or all you have to do is do this step by step. So I guess I got very lucky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that, that YouTube name on. was was uh, was uh, was still um, was still available. And I actually have a, a, a website and a, a blog that I do a little bit of blogging and uh, not, not a whole lot. And I have some other stuff that like my uh, Instagram is also step by step science. Every time you go on the FCS official Instagram, you are one of the recommended pages to follow that <laughs> people also follow. That's good, yes. I don't have so many Instagram followers. I think I only have like 125, but you know, it's not fun. bad. You're yeah. getting there. <laughs> yeah, it's getting there. Yeah, it takes time. You gotta plug your Instagram in your YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I was just thinking because I don't actually do that. I have, I plug like my, my blog and some other things, but I don't actually plug my Instagram. I should do that. Advertisement tips from me and Alexei, who know right. very much about yeah, yeah, yeah. advertisement. <laughs> to do something. Uh, I, I like it how we're um, uh, sort of advertising a 150k uh, <laughs> channel on our podcast. <laughs> Anyways, it's a very useful channel. Make sure to check it out. Link is in the description below. Exactly. Don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, and share the video. And click the bell. Yeah, click, click the notification <laughs> bell so you don't miss anything. So imagine a perfect student. What traits would the student possess? Well, I, I think, you know, I mean, I, th I think the best students are the students who 
don't know everything already and and want to learn. I think I mean I think that's who I try to um, I try to gear my classes towards. I once had a chemistry teacher. I remember her, Linda Shore, very very carefully. I remember her very well. She kind of came. This is a university. She came to class the very first day of class, and she kind of said, uh, "There's kind of uh, some students that are in this class." They could teach the class. They could get do well in the class and get an A in the class. If like a monkey came to class and stood up on the stage and jumped up and down and just went ooh ah, uh, uh, they would still get an A in the class or a one in the class. But uh, she always said that she taught the class towards what she would say like our B C students, you know, two three students, because those are the students who want to do well, and those are students who need help and and can be successful if they have a good uh, good instructor. So. I mean, I, I guess that's not necessarily like my favorite student, but that's kind of how I gear my teaching towards, and those are the students that I really enjoy teaching. Of course, I enjoy teaching all of my students, but I really enjoy teaching students who uh, who who seem to need a little bit of help and who seem to be interested in 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 teaching. And I also like to be, I I mean, yeah, I like and I like to have fun in my classes, and so it's nice to have friendly, outgoing students like that also. Uh, me and Alexi had a physics lesson with you just two periods ago, and we can confirm that this is all true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you, you guys are great students in my class because, you know, you're very nice and you express an interest in learning, and uh, yeah, so that those... Thank you very much. Thank so you, we it's appreciate true, and it. Those are the kind of students that I like. You did mention that you have not always been a teacher, but have you taught at any other schools before? FCS? Yes, I, I've, I've been very lucky. I've taught at three schools and I taught at three very good schools. So I'm from California, but then right after I got married, I moved to Montana and that's where I got my teaching certificate. And I taught at a school in Bozeman, Montana, which is called Bozeman High School. There's only one high school in the city. It's about a city of about 40,000 people. It's a very good school, and I taught uh, ninth graders, and a little bit of 11th graders, but mostly I taught ninth graders, so that was a good school to teach at. I enjoyed teaching a big public high school with like 2,000 students. So that was in Bozeman, Montana. And then uh, when I originally came to Berlin about 10 years ago, I taught at the John F. Kennedy School, which is just down the road from here. And I taught at the Kennedy School for two years, and that's also a great school to teach at. It's a good school. And it's interesting because it's a mix of German and American students. So it's a, a, kind of a bilingual, kind of like our school, it's a bilingual, you know, K through 12 school. So I, those are the three schools that I've taught at, right? I've only taught at three schools. Yeah. Now you very nonchalantly mentioned that you moved to Berlin. H how exactly did that come to be? Okay, that's a little <laughs> bit of a long story, but um, after living in Montana for about 15 years, we just wanted to try something different. Our kids were getting older and we wanted to try something different. Uh, Montana is a very outdoor oriented place and we did a lot of hiking and camping and boating and stuff like that but we weren't really really hardcore outdoor enthusiasts so we wanted to try something else so I started just looking around for schools for jobs at international schools around the world and I applied for a bunch of different schools and really we hadn't planned on coming to Germany or we really weren't thinking we would be able to come to Europe because it might be too competitive but there was a job available in Berlin and um, I applied for it and I got the job and it was, it was uh, good because uh, um, I'm Jewish also and um, my relatives, my grandfather as well as my wife's parents left Germany during the Second World War and then uh, if your relatives left Germany during the Second World War because of the war, 
then actually you can get your citizenship restored. Their relatives can get their citizenship restored. So I have, and my wife and all my children, we all have dual citizenship. Um, so Germany, and like I studied, I learned German in high school and my wife studied and learned German in high school and university. So we have German background in our German Wurzel in our, in our background. So it kind of, it actually seemed like a natural place to, to come to. So we got lucky that we were able to get a job in Berlin. And when you did move here, was there any moment of culture shock or did you already more uh, or less know, you know the culture the, here? It, there wasn't really culture, but the thing we used to always joke about, and hopefully I won't upset anybody by saying this, but you know, the, it, it, the, the typical thing that we experienced when, when we first moved here was there, there, Germans like to like, we ride the train a lot and a lot of Germans like to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Like, especially when you have your kids on the train, there's always like an older person you know, like an old lady telling you that your kids are making too much noise or they're standing next to the door or, or, or they're doing something that they shouldn't do. So th that was the thing that we used to always joke about that, you know, we would always uh, uh, be with our kids. And, you know, American kids, I think, are a little more outgoing than, I wouldn't say outgoing, but sometimes they're a little louder. And when you have three kids and they're on the train together, they're just loud in general. So um, that was the one thing that we thought was always kind of funny. Uh, I go on the S1 after school sometimes to get to places and there are often kids from JFK there. And uh, yes, I definitely can say that sometimes German grandmas do look <laughs> at the pretty loud American kids. Right, right. Also, Germany is uh, like uh, a country where there are a lot of uh, senior people. Right. So that becomes a problem because there are a lot of kids in the area. Right. And a lot of yeah. uh, senior people as well, and they don't really come uh, good together. I, I actually got a comment for white shoes once uh -huh. from an old lady, seriously. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that, that was the one thing we always thought was kind of funny. Uh, what about the uh, Sundays in Berlin? Well, yeah, that? yeah, that's actually a good question. Um, yeah, I, I think it's actually good that the stores are closed on Sunday because it makes you kind of, you know, uh, maybe take a little relax on Sunday. But yeah, it, it is interesting. Um, you can't go food shopping on Sundays. So we try to do our shopping on Saturdays, but sometimes we don't make it. And then we live in Steglitz. So we're like, okay, here we have to go to uh, Zudkreuz and there's a store that's open in Zudkreuz. There are a few stores that are open, uh, so we have to go to Erika, I think, at Zudkreuz, and that's kind of a pain and to have to do that. So yeah, that's a little, a little bit of a problem. And I guess in the, previously in Germany also on Saturdays, the stores used to close like on, at one o'clock or something like that, close earlier. So you have to do all your shopping early on Saturdays. So that's a bit of an inconvenience, but I think it's, I think it's okay. And so how long have you been at the FCS? I think I've been here, I think this is my eighth year. I'm not 100% sure. I don't think it's my, I think this is my eighth year. I came the second year the school was open. So I don't know if that makes it my eighth or my ninth year. And uh, is it true that Miss Carlisle joined about the same time as you? Did? Yeah, uh, Miss Carlisle, although I didn't know Miss Carlisle at the time, but um, my wife's sister lives in Santa Barbara, California, which is basically like LA. And so Ms. Carlisle was teaching in LA and uh, she wanted to try something different also. So 
Andy, my wife's sister, said, oh, my sister and her husband just moved to Berlin, and you should come to Berlin and uh, go see if you can get a job there. And, and she did. And I, I think you said you interviewed Ms. Carlyle already. I think, uh, you know, she maybe had never been to Europe before or hadn't done a lot of traveling before. So she's come to here. She's come to Freischule, and, and I think she likes it a lot, and she's been here for a little while also. She's very happy. Yeah, yeah she I think said, she's very happy here. She, I know she likes, which is good. She's nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She says that she never has been to Germany or Europe before. Right. And actually, she said like she, you encouraged her to come right. there. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. She came to visit us once before, and we encouraged her. And yeah, it's, I mean, that's pretty. You don't find many people, especially Americans, who don't maybe do a lot of traveling outside of the United States. You, you don't find a lot of people just willing to pick up and move their whole lives. And, and she did that. And I think she's always been very happy here. And since you've been for the school, since almost its founding, you're a prime candidate to ask the next question. What do you think about how the school evolved over the years and the changes that have been happening? Uh, I, think the, I think the changes that have been happening at the school have been very good. I think the school is better organized. And, you know, I think just through time, you know, we figured things out a little bit more every year. And, you know, the school originally was designed with a certain learning style in, in mind. And I think... We still have some of that here, but we didn't, you know, we never really implemented that learning learning style uh, uh, completely at the school. So I think the changes that we're making, like building the classrooms and the LAs and things like that, are a step in the right direction. I think it's still good that the students have, um, you know, an hour or so every day when they have free time, and and not necessarily free time, but we call it individual learn site when they can kind of think about what it is they have to learn and what they need to do at school. So I think it's good we have a little bit of autonomy left for the students, but at the same time, you know, I think the, the, the learning style, the teaching style is, is fits well with the students that we have at the school. Uh, would you say that we are moving closer to the old concept or are we drifting away from it? Well, I mean, honestly, I think we are, we are drifting away from it. Um, Yeah, I think we are drifting away from it, which, you know, I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but I think based on uh, the way the school is running and the kind of and the students we have at the school, that it kind of is necessary to kind of, you know, drift away from that old, old learning style. It's very funny because every time there are changes at school, for example, right now they are rebuilding one of the LAs, uh, a lot of the teachers or people who uh, tell us these news talk about this old teaching style and none of us really are sure what it is right <laughs> well that, that that's that that's very good because when, when I first started of course I didn't know what it was and you know honestly one of the things that when I started was they never really I mean they did explain it to us but they never really uh, uh, explained it to us very well I don't think and I would say that When the school first started, there was a gentleman who kind of designed, he was like a consultant, I think, for the school, and he kind of came up with the learning style or devised the learning style and the teaching style. And I would say that, you know, we did do it at the very beginning, but really we never really followed that learning style very well. Yeah, I mean, it was designed that there were these like five or six steps that you were supposed to go through as far as introducing a topic And um, then the students were supposed to kind of, after you gave them an, an, an impulse or an input as to what they were supposed to learn, then they were supposed to go off and learn the material on their own. But of course, you know, I think it's hard because, okay, they're supposed to learn something, but do they know exactly what it is they're supposed to learn? Uh, how do you get the students to actually learn the material? 
how do you make sure that they're going in the right direction and those kinds of things. So um, I, think it's, I think it's a little bit more focused now as so the students know um, what is, is expected, ex expected of them. And also it's like individual learning, which of course is not necessarily bad, but I, I do think that especially in high school, you know, students are very social and you can't really, I don't think it's really good to take a, stu take a group of students and say, okay, everybody sit at their own desk and learn by themselves. You know, I mean, it wasn't really that strict, but I think it's better when students are in a classroom and they learn as, as a group and together with the teacher and everybody works together to help each other learn and not so much just everybody sitting by themselves. I mean, to be honest, if when you put the students by themselves in their assigned places, they don't really work on their own anyways. Well, yeah, I, I wasn't going to say that, but since you said it, yes, <laughs> it, it is true. I mean, if you want to have a school where students have a, like individual learning style, then you have to have students who want to learn that way. And, you know, I, and I think based on, you know, experience, there aren't a lot of students who learn that way. There aren't a lot of students who want to learn that way. And a lot, there aren't a lot of students who, who um, you know, come from a place where they, where, they, where they can do that very well. So I enjoy being in the classroom and having students in the classroom. And, you know, I, I, I think most students would rather be in a classroom learning in a classroom than sitting at their desk learning by themselves. Uh, I feel like uh, this uh, concept of individual learning went to like a group learning kind of thing without a teacher. That that the point is, like sometimes, for instance, in the last side, or even when a teacher gives us an assignment in class to work on on our own, uh, people start communicating with each other, trying to help each other out. So yeah. we all move on like as a group. Right. Yeah. Groups. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also kind of beneficial because like you learn for yourself because like somebody tells you but you kind of exchange experience right. in this topic that you just took 15 minutes ago and like it's pretty cool that we, like, we all always move as a class or right. like a bunch of groups. Yeah. Yeah. And now probably the most difficult question we have on our list. Is there a role model in your life or a concept that gets you out of in the morning uh, let's see well you know I, I do really enjoy teaching so I feel very lucky that that I'm, that I, that I'm a teacher and I enjoy my uh, I enjoy my job um, somebody I thought this is kind of interesting. somebody once said there are two important days in your life the day you were born and the day you figure out why you were born so I kind of feel like you know the day I was born was important and then you know kind of I mean kind of like I was saying when I was helping my high school girlfriend with her math homework that's kind of when I figured out I wanted to be a teacher so so uh, so so I, I feel like you know that uh, that's important to me I, I don't really have a like a favorite hero although my my grandfather who who I grew up I lived with my grandmother on my mother's side passed away when I was very young so I grew up with my grandfather my maternal grandfather and, you know, he didn't really say a whole lot or actually, you know, tell me to do certain things, but he always lived, uh, uh, I felt like, a, a worthwhile life, and he was always just a good role model and an example for me. So I would say, you know, maybe my grandfather would be my hero. Very wholesome, very <laughs> accurate. <laughs> okay, this question is going to be a little bit redundant. Would you like to give a shout out to anything? Because we've already plugged your uh, YouTube channel quite heavily, but uh, nevertheless. Yeah. You could shout out a movie you watch or something like this. That's okay. what people normally okay. do. Okay, that's good. So, um, 
Let's see, yes. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Step by Step Science. Okay, I, I did recently watch a show on Netflix. Now I can't, I, I think it's called Katya or Katla. It's about a, a, a small community on Iceland and they live near a volcano because there's a lot of volcanoes on Iceland. And the volcano starts erupting and stuff comes out of the volcano. I mean, lava and stuff like that comes out of the volcano. But also people start coming out of the volcano. Oh, so, God. and the people who come out of the volcano are identical twins to people who live in this village. And it's a really interesting show because you're like, what are these people doing? Why are they there? How does this work out? But what it, what it is, is these people come out of this volcano and they kind of help the people who live in this community get through hard times in their lives and to deal with things in their life. Like there's one of the main characters, her mother passed away and she really struggles with this whole thing about her mother passing away. So she has a body double who comes out of the volcano and helps her to deal with her life. And also her sister got killed in a, in a, in a snowmobile accident. So a body double from her sister comes out. So she's dealing with her mother and her sister's death. And after she figures out what happens and how to deal with these things that happened in her life, the body double from her sister just says, okay, I'm leaving now, don't try and stop me. And the girl just sits there on the beach and the body double just walks into the ocean and like, not necessarily dies, but just leaves. And, and all these things happen to all these people and all these people come out of the volcano to help people deal with their, deal with the stresses that they have in their lives. So I just thought that was a great show. It, it, you're always wondering what's gonna happen. And I always think the hardest thing in a book or in a movie is how the ending happens and how they kind of wrap everything up. And I thought that was a great, um, a great ending to a movie. So I can't remember if it was Katya or Katla, but it's on, it was on Netflix. And I just thought it was a great movie. It was a series, a short series. I want to say thank you because this is by far the most descriptive description, <laughs> for lack of a better word, uh, of um, the shout out <laughs> out of any of the interviews. There, there's another great movie too that I like. I always show it to my students, sometimes towards the end of, the end of school and nobody's ever heard of it, but it's called Okja. It's about a super pig. Oh yeah, we remember. Yeah, I think that it's that's also that's also just a, I won't go into the whole thing of what it's about, but it's a great uh, kind of family feel good movie about a super pig. Wait, who showed it to us to our class? Probably me. Oh yeah, because yeah, I I I, saw, I watched it before and I, I really like it, and students have never seen it. And nobody's not that many people have heard of it, but it's a good movie. Now that we've gone through the whole interview process, most likely, unless we still do post-credit scenes or anything, no spoilers <laughs> to our listeners. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you would want or like us to change about the way we do interviews, or is there any questions you think we should add? To this? Uh, let's see. Let's see. I think sometimes I see, like, on, uh, on interview shows, they do like a speed speed questions or something. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I've seen where, where they ask people like 10 questions in, in 30 seconds or something like that. So I, that's, that, that would, might be a good thing to do. Yeah, we thought about it. Like we never uh, did that. So we have it. We have this idea implemented somewhere. It never came out. We have like one episode idea in case one of the teacher can. Well, if the, if a teacher cancels, uh -huh. we have an idea how to like what to put instead of it. And we have a blitz there, a blitz like question list. Uh -huh. Maybe we should add one here as well. That could be pretty interesting uh -huh. because yeah. you could elaborate. 
or 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 not. <laughs> well, if you mean like right now, you want to do it with me? Uh, or mean, later, you mean later with somebody else? Later, because I mean, we need to have questions. We, yeah, we yeah, of course. Well, I, you have your phone. I thought you have a list of questions right there. Uh, no, it's no fine. Else. I think it's good because, like, you, I think it's interesting because you ask people, like, okay, you know, some kind of, like, off-the-wall kind of questions, and it gives you maybe a sense of who that person is, like, outside of the interview. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a good idea. You We're know. going to work on that. What's the strangest thing you've ever eaten, or what's the... What's the <laughs> farthest you've ever traveled or you know have just, you ever broken any bones or something you like should that? start a podcast of your own you're just <laughs> bursting with ideas you want to collab <laughs> all right this has been very uh, good this has been a very good interview thank you very much we were recommended to interview you very highly by miss carlisle she said you would be very interesting <laughs> and she was correct well that's nice of her I, i've had a very good time too it's been very enjoyable and i'm very happy to do uh to do it for three of my favorite students. Well, all right, thanks a lot. So guys, anyways, this has been the FSS Podcast, the grand interview with... Mr. Swartha. Your host has been Alex. And your favorite <laughs> DJ kind of thing, Cherechnya, link in the description is Alexei. And we see you next week. We love you, you love us, maybe, bye. So, so how do how do I subscribe to the podcast? It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. Spotify uh-huh. Pretty much anywhere you have okay. podcasts. What did she have against white shoes? He doesn't know. <laughs> He's shrugging in disbelief. Okay, we definitely need to cut this. No, They're gonna figure out who we're talking about. Anthony's in here.